0: Hello and welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything, where we give you the tips, scripts, stories, and steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. I'm honored to be your host, Dr. Robin Silverman, Child and Teen Development Specialist, author and speaker and most importantly, parent of two amazing kids who give me the opportunity to love, learn, and grow every single day, whether I like it or not. I get it, it's not always easy, and we're in this together, and we have some really awesome people helping us along the way. Today, I am so thrilled to introduce you to my colleague, Dr. Sue Cornbluth, who is here to talk with us about a really special topic, building self-esteem, especially in kids who were adopted or who are being fostered, a topic that's really near and dear to me and my family as we adopted both of my children at birth. Now, Dr. Sue Kornbluth is an internationally recognized parenting expert in high-conflict divorce and child abuse. She's also an author, TV contributor, and host of the Dr. Sue Radio Show, talking about real parenting issues in a real way, and that's streamed on streamcityradio.com. She is a regular member mental health contributor for an array of networks and television shows such as NBC, Fox, and CBS. Dr. Sue has also contributed to several national publications. Her best-selling book, Building Self-Esteem in Children and Teens Who Are Adopted or Fostered, is available now on Amazon.com. Now, we certainly have some very interesting information coming our way. And remember, while you may not have a child who was adopted or who is being fostered, you may encounter a child through your kids' friends, through your own friends, or in your family, or by happenstance, who could really use you right now. These techniques and scripts, while they're particular to children who were adopted or who were being fostered, they can be generalized to any child, any child who is feeling different or alone or confused or just in need. And as you've heard me say, children express that they don't have at least three people to turn to in a time of need or challenge. And it's really left up to us to be one of the three. So for those of you who are in the thick of it and maybe you do really need information specific to self-esteem and adoption or fostering, Remember, it's never one big talk but a series of little ones, so even if you've already had a conversation about this, maybe this podcast can provide you with one, two, or three extra nuggets that you might not have thought of and that you can use when the topic comes up again. So now is the time. Let's turn our attention to our guest of honor for today, who has taken time out of her busy schedule to inspire us and give us some concrete tools that we can take away, we can use today or just when we're in need, the very fantastic Sue Cornblue. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Sue, on How to Talk to Kids About Anything.
1: Thank you so much for having me on today. I'm so happy to be with you.
0: Oh, well, we are really (laughs) excited. This is so exciting for me because it's very near and dear to my heart. It's something that I deal with on a daily basis. But before we get into the meat of the matter, for those of you who haven't heard... From this fabulous Dr. Sue, maybe people haven't had the opportunity or pleasure to meet you, read your books, or hear you in the press as an expert. Would you just take a moment to tell us what gets you up in the morning, what are you passionate about, and why in the world the topic of self-esteem in children who were adopted or are being fostered?
1: Well, first of all, the first thing that gets me up in the morning is about three cups of coffee.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Get that. Okay,
1: yeah. And then I'm on my way of a day of passion of empowering people to, one, be their authentic self Mm -hmm. in certain situations, especially in parenting, and giving them the tools that they need to get through a lot of traumatic situations that they may be going through as a parent in their lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I began my career working with children and teens that had been uh, abused and were in the foster care system, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that really spoke to me. In fact, it was the most rewarding work I have have ever done in my life oh, because. I can imagine these are kids that didn't understand why this was happening to them and you know every kid that I've ever worked with that has been abused has one thing in common and that is low self-esteem okay all right so I felt that it was my mission in life to empower these kids to, to let them know that it's not always the experiences that define you in life Experiences are things that happen to you in your life but it doesn't have to define every single aspect of who you are mm-hmm. that you can go from becoming a victim to a survivor so my role was to build their self-esteem that's how I saw myself in my role with them by creating a sense of belonging with them by helping them to find in their life things that they were good at and passionate about that they could soar in and to let them know that just because this has happened to them doesn't mean they don't have the same opportunities that others can have in their life.
0: Well, this is really very, very important, the work that you're doing. And I am sure that those kids who came into contact with you really found you to be a friend. It's so often, kids mm. who are going through the foster system especially, um, they have had a lot of experiences where they feel like they've been cast aside or devalued. Or made to mm-hmm. feel inferior, and sometimes I know we get into this work um, because we've experienced it firsthand. But other times we get into this work because maybe a child inspired us. Is there was there one particular child who inspired your work, or, or many? There was one particular
1: child that inspired my work. Who actually wrote the forward of my book? Oh, great! And we stayed in touch for. Well, now I think it's been almost 15 years. She was a child that was put into the foster care system at the age of nine years old. And she went from foster home to foster home and never really found her place in life. But when she came into my office that day, I will never forget this. Mm. She was full of rage, but I saw something in her. And it was this determination to have a better life than she did. And she taught me all about this. She said, we don't like being called foster kids or adopted kids. We don't go around calling you regular kids. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Well said. You know, and I I began to think to myself, you know what? You're right. You know, you're a kid that had um, horrible circumstances happen to you, but you're still a kid. Mm Mm-hmm. She wanted to become more than she was told she was going to be. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I, together, her and I built a relationship together where we had to build trust. And I write about this in my book. And what I call this is a corrective emotional experience. And what that is, is we all want to have the best upbringings by our parents. Okay. And we want them to be our best role models. But the truth is that they're not always our best role models in many situations. Right. That doesn't mean you can't get what you need from somebody else in your life. So I, through the relationship I built with her, I gave her those things. I taught her that she mattered. I acknowledged her. I encouraged her, Mm -hmm. and through that relationship, she grew and became the first person ever
0: in her family to go to college. Oh, what a reward right (laughs) there for everybody. Wow. Yeah.
1: You know, so I learned through her the techniques to make this happen, and I felt it was my duty to educate professionals. Parents, um, anybody that's working or has an adopted or foster child on how to do the same corrective emotional experience.
0: I love that. I love that terminology. And since we have we adopted our children and right. and actually have many close friends who have adopted one or more of their children. Um, I have some very close friends who grew up in a household where children were being fostered. And this is a topic that's really both of personal and professional interest to me. Mm -hmm. Why is it so important for children who were adopted or children who are being fostered to work on their self-esteem? Why this particular group? Well, I think this particular group is most
1: important because you know I don't know if this is true for your children and um, it may be they may be too young at this point mm-hmm. to realize this but one day they're going to grow up and have questions
0: oh sure we have about, lots about yeah I'm
1: sure they do <laughs> <laughs> about um, where they where they came from who their birth parents are things mm-hmm. like that and you know a lot of times in our society there are stereotypes or labels put on people And, you know, if somebody comes up to a child and says, oh, you're adopted, that can make the child feel horrible inside. It can. And Mm -hmm. this happens a lot. And so that lowers a child's self-esteem. But if you start young and and if you've adopted your child from birth, Mm -hmm. okay, you start talking to them very young. We started at
0: infant, like we started the first day because we wanted to practice. I think it needs to become so natural. It's just part of their story, part of who they are, part of who you are. We have pictures everywhere, and we talk about it constantly, so it is no big thing for us. No well, you issue. know what, my dear, you did it right. Thank you. I okay. that's Good to good to hear. I mean, it felt right. We have an open adoption, so for okay. us, like we oh, I mean, we are blessed with. The, the most beautiful birth parents ever. I mean, we just love them. We love our birth family. We talk, we share, and oh, I just I feel so so grateful. Um and I know not everybody has that situation, but yeah. I feel really happy that you know we got rid of that fear of mm-hmm. keeping the door open that mm-hmm. so many of us rightfully have because the, the, the news and the, uh, what information is out there can scare you completely out of that. But because of that, I feel like my kids are able to ask questions that I actually can get the answers to. And I'm thrilled to be able to just text my kid's birth father or text my kid's birth mother or talk on wow. the phone with my kid's gra- birth grandmother and be like, can you tell me what this situation is about or do you have a history of this so it's been you know it's really a great situation that's incredible okay
1: and you know it's wonderful that you can do that and I think due to that and your circumstance, your children will be much more well adjusted because you started the process early on. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. I mean, we can only see what happens. We don't know, but you you know, we'll see. The other thing is about the self-esteem is that, you know, we live in a world where everybody talks about um, nuclear families, biological Mm -hmm. children, it's just out there in the media, in society. And when you find out that you're different. Yes,
0: in any way.
1: Yeah, that's like somebody digging a hole Mm -hmm. in you. And that's where the low self esteem um, comes in, and you start questioning yourself. And you know what I always like to say? That when you have high self esteem and you feel good about yourself, that is your shield, a shield against the world and against what is going to come towards you at times and helps you build resiliency. Right. Right. And, yeah. And that's why I think it's so critical with these kids in particular to have been fostered and adopted because they don't feel good about themselves to begin with because they often are tagged as different and see themselves different. What but about- in
0: actuality, they're really not.
1: Go right. Ahead.
0: I was just gonna ask what about that question that so many people have in that circumstance of why why was I why am I in this situation? Why did my parents not keep me, maybe they would say, or why mm-hmm. did they give me up? You know, a child might Think in their head of course they may not have the full background of the love that the parent the birth parent may have had or you know whatever the circumstances or perhaps the 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 person was sick or maybe on drugs or who knows what the Mm -hmm. circumstance was but is that something that would highly impact their self-esteem in that case
1: it absolutely could and I'm going to tell you what I tell people all the time when I'm talking training or, you know, and guiding them is that whenever your kids have questions, mm-hmm, you tell the truth. Yes. yes. And if you don't know the truth, you don't make up a lie. You just say, you know what? I'm not sure right now. I will try to get the information for you because what. Is most important here is that they can trust you and they don't feel abandoned mm-hmm, mm-hmm. abandonment is the one thing they feel the most mm-hmm. I mean that makes sense why didn't my parents want to keep me mm-hmm. why did I end up in a foster home mm-hmm. and you know if if there's a circumstance when where their parents um, were on drugs or you know, you don't, don't say to them, you know, your parents were on drugs. They're the worst people in the world. Sure. You right. Know? And people don't know that though all the time. They okay. don't know. Instead, you should say, you know, mom or dad, they've had some problems and they're trying to get help. I don't know what's going to happen. hmm But while they're there, you're with, you're with us and we're going to take the best care of you that we can.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about the uh, the concern that many parents have who may have adopted their kids or are fostering kids and what if the the something happened that was quite ugly to that child or to that parent and they are concerned about being truthful to the child because perhaps they came into this world in a in a way that might scare them um, about their circumstance. Maybe they were abused or or somebody Uh was raped or or whatever. What what do you do in that circumstance?
1: I think that depends, um, it's on a situational basis. Mm -hmm. And that depending on what age the child is Mm -hmm. has a lot to do with when you want to talk to them about those things. Um, sometimes, uh, what can happen when they have been abused is that they'll later on have flashbacks that they didn't have at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then, if they come to you and ask you something and um, you do know, I suggest sitting down with them and talking to them and say, What are you remembering?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What has happened? You know, what's going on? And you know you weren't there so you don't know yourself so what you know is what they're sharing with you right and you have to join with them and validate them and show them that they matter and that what happened to them again doesn't define everything that they are but what happened is hurtful it's sad and you know that was the one technique I really want um, people to listen to with, with kids that have been adopted, um, abused, um, or in foster care, is they're looking for somebody to join with them in their pain. Mm. And when I mean join, all I'm saying is acknowledging it. Like if I was with a, a kid, I would say, and and they were being bullied or something, I would say, I remember when I was a kid yes. and and I was being bullied and that really hurt so bad. I felt like crying. I didn't like myself. Do you ever feel that way? And a lot of times they will say, yeah.
0: Right. And they don't want to be dismissed. Like, oh, you need to get over that. You need to move on with your life because they need to to know that what they feel is valid and important and real.
1: And that they matter. Yes. And when you say to any child, you know, just put it in the back of your mind and go, you can't, rob, and right. You can't put trauma in the back of your mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it keeps cropping up constantly. Right. right. And they need to know, once again, that they'll be accepted no matter what.
0: So uh, before we get into the tips of how Mm -hmm. to really help a child and their self-esteem, what about the parents, and we have many friends who have adopted kids who who came from different countries or have more closed adoptions, Mm -hmm. and they don't have the information. Um, They don't know. So when that child starts to ask more information, and the self-esteem may be low um, because they maybe don't have a feeling of strong identity at that point, or they feel like they're confused, what can a, a parent do in that situation? And and I'm speaking really very deliberately towards some of my dear friends who mm. have this circumstance. So could you just okay. speak about that for a moment? Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's a really great question
1: because that happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're in a closed adoption, usually you just know a few things, okay? Right. The, the country maybe that they came from or... Um, the the state where they were adopted Mm -hmm. or things like that so one thing that I love to tell parents to do in that situation is if first tell your child you know I really don't know but let's do some research on the area in which you came from or the country in which you came from Mm -hmm. to give them some sense of identity Mm -hmm. of where they came from also if you if they are interested in searching for their birth parents, mm-hmm. I am always for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Always, and you know if and I understand, Robin. I mean, people that adopt, some people have a have a problem with
0: that. Sure, they're nervous, they're scared. What are they going to yep. find? What will they like them better? I mean, we get a lot of thoughts in our heads, of course. Yes,
1: I mean that's perfectly normal. I would think the same thing. But what I want your listeners to know is that if you don't allow them to do that and if you don't help them through the process, they're going to probably do it on their own mm-hmm. and then you don't know what they're doing and who they're finding. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: So if you can support them through it, I mean, there's so many things today with social media, Facebook, right. you can find almost anybody.
0: Right. <laughs> it's much easier today for sure.
1: Yeah, but be be a guide with them. Show them that you're supporting um, the child through this because without the without their birth parents, you wouldn't be a parent. Right. We're so grateful,
0: and we have to be grateful. Exactly.
1: Exactly. And okay. and it's not so much about the circumstance, but look at this child that you have the opportunity to enlighten, to teach, to guide. Right. So all of you is in this child as well, but we can never forget that they have, um, I'm saying two two identities, mm-hmm. and they need to merge together for the child to feel whole. Now that can be done in many different ways. It doesn't only have to be done by finding the birth parents. It can be through history, mm-hmm. okay, as well. Or doing a book with them, a life book, something like that, where they can trace. That where they were born, to whom, or if they don't know the country.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Like that. Okay. This is all extremely interesting, and I think very important for everybody to hear. Be, you know, I love what you said um, about really being a guide and being a supporter in helping them get the information that they need, considering that. That's advice we would give them regardless of what the topic was. A child comes to you and is asking about sex or drugs or really any difficult topic. If you shut down that conversation, they're still going to go and try and get that information. And now they're going to try to get it from somebody else who may not represent your values the way you would want them to go through it or provide them with the support that they really need while they're going through something that could provide them with some difficult things to look at.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I agree with you on every point that you said there. Um, The the tips that I use in my book and I talk about can be used for any children going through a hard time. Parents Mm -hmm. cannot be there for their kids at every
0: single point. Absolutely, and sometimes you know you you have to just set things up and hope your your kids will uh, use the scripts and the tips that you've been giving them, Correct. and just hope that when you're not there, they're they're still they got they've got the information they need. So let's actually get right in there, and and so if we have a child in our life who is going through a difficult time or who was adopted or who is being fostered or is dealing with whatever issue that they may, uh, may be dealing with and feel alone and their self-esteem is low. What are, say, three important ways that a parent or a professional, a teacher, an educator, a coach can help increase that child's self-esteem?
1: Okay, well, I'm, I'm so glad you asked that because this is something I talk about all the time, and there are three essential tips All right, that I tell people they have to do for kids, okay? Yes, I'm ready. One, you have to show the child that you can be trusted so they can trust you. Okay. All right. Now, what I'm talking about there is I... I'm encouraging you to to be the best role model that you can for your children so when your children are watching you handle a specific situation say you're in an argument with somebody okay mm-hmm and I mean conflicts happens in all with all kids in all kinds of situations even with adults right you have a choice at that moment you can stand there and curse the other adult out Yes, or you can stand there and try to have a conversation that is calm. Mm-hmm. So when kids at a very young age are sponges, okay, they soak up information and w- they imitate what their caregivers are doing. Monkey see, monkey do. Amen. So <laughs> what happens is when they're when they're watching, they're going to pick up on that and they're going to learn from that how to behave or how to act in a conflictual situation. And if you're if you're screaming at another person they'll pick up on it and they'll do it to somebody else. But mm-hmm. if you're calm and collective, they will trust in the process that you are doing and mm-hmm. they will follow in your footsteps.
0: Lovely. Love that. Yes.
1: Yes. All right, the other thing is so important. Yeah. You must let your child know they matter Mm -hmm. and they are special Mm
0: -hmm.
1: in some way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, in in this particular population we're talking about today, the adopted and foster um, kids, it is so critical that they know they matter. That's all they want in life Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is to know that they matter to somebody. Okay, because they feel oftentimes they did not matter to their birth parents. Mm. Oh, that's heartbreaking. I know it is. But guess what?
0: Mm -hmm. You
1: can change this. Mm -hmm. Find something in the child that they are really good at. Mm -hmm. And invest your time and energy in that area, spending time with them and doing things with them. Spend quality time with them. It's not quantity, Robin. Right. It's quality. And they will know that they matter. And if they believe they matter to you, that hires their self-esteem. Mm-hmm. And it makes them matter more to themselves. Mm-hmm. 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 When somebody believes in you, you begin to believe more in yourself. Mm-hmm. And you great. do that through encouraging, being there, and acknowledging. And also by letting them know that they are worthy. Mm -hmm. Because they have felt rejected most of their lives. Mm -hmm. Okay, and that turns into also letting them know that they're valued. Right. Value, you wanna feel valued, right? Absolutely,
0: everybody does.
1: Correct. And many foster and adopted children grew up in an environment where their own parents did not value themselves. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. You know, they didn't value themselves enough to get the help that they needed to be um, a better parent to their child. So in that respect, the child needs to know that they are valued even when they mess up.
0: mm -hmm. I got to say
1: that again because I am so about teachable moments.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: When a child makes a mistake, it is a time for a teachable moment, not always punishment. Right, right, right. When you punish a child, they'll often come back and do the same thing again. But if you sit down with the child and talk to them about why they did that certain thing they can then talk with you and learn how to do it differently. Right. And when they learn how to do things differently and they see that they get a reward for doing that instead, they feel better about themselves and you, the parent, becomes the corrective teacher.
0: I love that, I love that. So can you tell me then, let's imagine that there is a child right in front of us and that child comes to you or is in front of a parent and we're talking about a child who whose self-esteem is low at the time maybe for it it may be because uh, of a history of you maybe they went through a foster system or and maybe they've been recently uh, they were recently adopted or maybe it's some other thing that has lowered their self-esteem so what is it that you can say? What is the conversation starter or what is the phraseology? What can you say to this child who is sitting in front of you that can then help move that conversation along and maybe help to change their opinion of themselves or the situation they're in? Okay,
1: so what I like to do in those situations is always have the conversation usually at a time which is not a serious time,
0: mm-hmm.
1: okay, when they're involved maybe in something else or just even mm-hmm. watching TV mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because kids are often more open during that time, okay, because when you say to a kid, I want to sit down and talk to you about stuff, they get scared. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, so what do I do?
1: That's not the best time. I, I had a case where the kid came to me and she, he said to me, um, you know, I'm really feeling different than other people and i've been told over and over that i am different that i'm not like the other kids Hmm. and i said that's i'm said first of all i said you know i'm sorry that you had to go through this Mm -hmm. but why why do you believe what these other people are saying about you And I say to myself, you know, people say things about me all the time, but Mm -hmm. I know who I am. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if you know who you are. Mm -hmm. So can you tell me who you think you are or who you want to be? Mm -hmm. And I, and then I say back, I say, I don't really, I, it has taken me some time to define for myself who I want to be but I have to be true to myself. And then I say to the kid, do you like who you are? And the kid said, I do like who I am.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. And then I said, then why are you going to let these other people take that away from you? Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: You see, self-esteem comes from within. And it comes from without as well, but when you own it from within, it's yours, it's genuine. And if you really feel good about who you are inside, then the other stuff from the outside will not matter as much. So I like to ask the kids, so can you make a list of things that you like about yourself? Can you, And then I ask them, why do you like that about yourself? And, you know, sometimes I even ask them to make a list of things they don't like about themselves because we can always have room for improvement. Right, of course. But I want every kid to get to know themselves and define who they are on their
0: terms. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love this. And I also feel like when they are able to talk about themselves, what they love about themselves, maybe some areas that they feel challenged that they'd like to work on, and maybe we could even do some benchmarking and goal setting with them on that. Mm -hmm. I, I like that they would be able to look at that and you could then ask them in such a concrete way, do these people who are saying these things about you, do these people know you? Yes. Do they that's- know those things on the paper?
1: hmm Yeah. You know what? That's, that's really what I was saying as well when I was saying, why do you believe what they say? But you said it even better is that how do they know this, right? Mm-hmm. And and they
0: don't know it. It's their opinion. Right. They don't know you. Do they know that you're That's a great gymnast? Do they know that you right. write at night and that you love you know, to draw? And do, do they know your gifts? Do they know these things about you? No. I know these things about you. Yeah, but they don't. They don't know them, but they, and they get to say these things. I, I say the same thing to my own kids you know, mm-hmm. who are you know, maybe getting off the bus or have been at school that day, and so-and-so said this or that. Do they know you? Do that is is this what they're saying is it true about you, and then no, then why do they get to yeah. tell you who you are when you know that it's not true let's you know th- let's take that information that they that they're saying and think about it as they're actually defining themselves by talking I, about you in that way. It, Exactly. And and
1: that's another great point. They are talking about who they are and they're projecting it onto you.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Maybe, maybe they're feeling frustrated. I, mean, I always mm-hmm. tell them everybody's working on something. Maybe they're working on some of their social skills. Maybe they're feeling insecure in this circumstance and it helps them by pointing something out that may or may not even be true just to help them stand on their own two feet. And you know it's it's important for, for kids to realize that what is being said isn't always the truth exactly
1: and what is being I would just put one more thing there what is saying about you is not always the truth about you hmm right and, right and I think that's what they need to carry around with them in their mind but as you know and I know, we were kids once, and when a kid's picking no, on you or saying
0: something, it hurts. It's so tough. Oh, I agree. So tough. And I, I certainly was the victim of, of a bullying circumstance and mm-hmm. um, throughout my fifth grade year, and it was terrible. Um,
1: and yeah.
0: I, I, I think it still defines me today, honestly. Yep. I mean, here we were talking about don't let it define you. I, honestly, it's come to a point where It's much more positive for me now because Mm -hmm. because that happened, I became a more sensitive person, more empathetic, you know, put myself out there to try to learn more about that circumstance for kids, you know, so it it wound up being more positive, but there are leftover scars and we have to acknowledge that, that what people say can have an impact on those kids and it can't just be brushed off.
1: It cannot. And that's why, you know, when we're talking about today, the adopted or the foster child has an extra layer of that. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what the kids had told me. Mm -hmm. You know, that they're always going to be... This is what they think in their Mm minds. They're always going to be looked at differently. When I have to meet someone later in life and start a relationship, I feel that I need to tell the significant other that I was a foster child or I was adopted and what is that going to mean to this relationship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I always try to teach them that I believed in them, they were worthy, they are important to me and they deserved happiness.
0: You talk about in your book this triple empowerment system. Mm -hmm. And you know these are these are your the special steps that you talk about what what is the triple empowerment system?
1: Yeah, so the triple empowerment system has to do with three ways that you, as a parent or a professional can help a child increase their self-esteem mm, okay and the first way to do that is through educating yourself mm-hmm. I don't care if you're a biological parent a foster parent or an adopted parent mm-hmm. we all need education at some sometimes in our lives right right even us as the parenting experts oh need it. I, I I think we need <laughs>
0: just as much if not more I, I, I do not I, feel I know anything more about my children being an I expert know. no
1: I know sometimes my clients say to me but Dr. Sue your kids are perfect I'm oh, sure. I said, are you
0: crazy? I'm the furthest thing from perfect. I know. I I interviewed some, I interviewed Wendy Young for a podcast who said it so beautifully. She said on a podcast, she's like, being a parenting expert does not exempt me from being a human being or my child for being a human being. And so I still have to deal with all of it. Well, that's what I'm saying. And you know what? I don't have
1: perfect children and I'm no perfect mother. Right. I'm pretty good, but I'm not perfect. All right. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) so the first step is to educate yourself. Okay. And really, what I mean by this is when you are bringing a child home from the hospital, or you're bringing a nine-year-old into your home, um, the the, you need to educate yourself on the adoption process, on what is going to occur after you adopt this baby, Mm -hmm. how you're going to care for the child, what books you're going to read to them at an early age. How are you going to tell them they were adopted? Mm -hmm. Okay. So so I want people, there's so much stuff out there on the Internet. You can listen, read books, whatever. The other thing, too, is when you're adopting a foster child that is older, usually they will come with other issues. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's important that you do not have a false reality Mm
0: -hmm.
1: of what is going to happen here. Okay. Because what ends up happening sometimes with that, which is so unfortunate and breaks my heart, is that the kids come into the home and the parents aren't educated enough and can't handle it, and then they have to send the kid back into the system again. Oh, that's terrible. Okay, I get it. Yeah. All right. The next step is to embrace the child. Embrace. And what I'm talking about there is unconditionally accepting this child into your life. I am not the type of person or parent that believes of putting conditions on children. So of course, conditions like going to school and doing your homework. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But what I'm talking about is you have to love me or do this or else I'm going to withdraw my love. Right, right. Okay, Okay, so I believe in embracing the child, getting to know the child, getting to know their dislikes, their likes, and surrounding them with things that make them comfortable. Mm -hmm. Okay? Mm -hmm. Um, Helping them to form healthy attachments, helping them to build their self-esteem, being a good role model for them, embracing them. It's almost like you're hugging them and you're going to give all the best stuff of you.
0: Right, right, right. But okay. that
1: doesn't mean you don't mess up sometimes either. And then right. the fil- the final step is empowering. Mm-hmm. Now you've had you have your knowledge. Now you have an understanding of how this child is. Your child is. And you take all of that and you live your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Empowering this child to be the best that they can be. Mm-hmm. But one more thing i like to say is that I want people to realize, too, that you can never give others healthy and high self-esteem if you don't have it yourself. Mm, Good point. And that's in my book. And I have people take a little, like, survey in my book, Mm -hmm. (laughs) checking off. Do you have this? Do you have this? Do you feel good about yourself? You know, things like that. Because if you're not in a good place yourself, then you cannot... Help another person build high self esteem, especially within a child. But that doesn't mean you can't do the work on yourself.
0: I just think that's important. I think that is important to underscore uh, because you know, we can't teach what we don't show. So, <laughs> yeah. What would you say for the list for our fabulous listeners? Is the one thing that you would absolutely want them to know after listening to today's podcast? This is your top takeaway. My top takeaway is
1: that you are the catalyst behind the success of fostered and adopted children and that you can equip yourself with the tools and the education to do this. You are their corrective experience in life Ooh, and, and you can help them to build healthy, healthy and better relationships as they go through life. You two are a team, a building team.
0: Hmm. Hmm. I think that's really important. That this is this is a team, and this is somebody that you you know any like any teammate that this is somebody who is mm-hmm. able to rely on you in an unconditional way and know yeah. that you're going to be there.
1: And that doesn't mean you're not going to mess up no. because. Part of life and part of going through a process with any child is messing up, letting
0: them see that, Mm -hmm. and doing it better the next time. And apologizing and saying, you know what, I messed up, and here's how I can make this better. Um, How about the resource of the week? Where can people find more about you, find out more about your work? Where can people go to go to learn about what it is that you are doing in this field and in several of the other areas that you mm-hmm. work in whether it's divorce or abuse or or the, yes. the amazing things that you're doing in trauma. Thank you. So you can always contact me
1: on my website at com. Everything I do is on there and you can listen to my radio show Every week it's called the Doctor Sue show where we are talking about real parenting issues in a real way at
0: wwwstreamcityradio.org oh I think I love that it's dr. Sue and you because I really <laughs> feel like you really are a partner to parents and mm-hmm. parents can rely on you as being one of their teammates and and I just want to thank you so much for joining us today for being a part of of this podcast because I think you have such a way of helping others and and that they feel like they have a real supporter in their corner in an area where many parents can feel alone. I, I I've certainly learned a lot yeah. today just listening to you and I love what you say about this corrective emotional experience and being somebody in a child's life who can make a real difference. Thank
1: you so much, and um, I enjoy always working together with people because I feel as though none of us can move forward in this life alone.
0: Absolutely. You said it. Well, many thank yous to you. I've got my takeaways. And sweet friends, I hope you have yours. Let's discuss them. Come up onto Facebook. Go to DrRobinSilverman.com or go to Facebook.com slash DrRobinSilverman. You can get me on Twitter.com slash DrRobin. Oh, and if you love this podcast like I did, could you go up to iTunes, rate, rate, review, share it so other people can get these great strategies. I'd really appreciate it if you'd share it, rate and review it. People have got to get this. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for tuning in to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinSilverman.com. I look forward to weathering the storms and enjoying the sunny side of life together. And please remember, even when nothing seems to be going right, we all have those days. You've got this. You're here. You're getting the information you need. And on the days when we fall short, never forget there's always tomorrow. Parenting is the ultimate do-over. And as there are moments when we doubt our know-how, our choices, and our sweet sanity, please know you're ten times the parent you think you are. You really are. Until next time, this is Dr. Robin Silverman with How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Please tune in again and keep connecting through conversation. See you next week.